Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. Good to have you here in the house, you who are worshiping at home. Good to have you worshiping where you are, and we're all together, and we're walking toward Christmas. And yeah, as you go through Christmas, you might have some spiritual conversations crop up. We just wanted to give you that sort of opportunity. January 12th, you could, you could invite someone to Alpha, and uh, they could just keep those conversations going, you know, because it isn't all just about jumping in. It's about getting those questions answered, and we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning as we continue in our series on the family of God, all these spiritual pathways that people walk, the different directions that, that people walk to get toward Jesus. We're going to look at one more, and it's Mary. It's Mary's pathway, Mary. So I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. I encourage you to have your Bible open, and as we open our scriptures, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, we don't just bend our heads over a page of text and expect to understand everything. But what we do is we ask that as we open your Bible, your word, that you're merciful to us to speak to us by your living voice so that we can hear from you and know you better and trust you, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Luke 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth to a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is God's word. We're grateful. Amen? Mary, Mother Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, the nice thing about being a mother at Christmas time is that you don't really have to worry about very much. <laughs> it all just kind of unfolds, you know? I mean, Santa and the elves do all the work, as I understand. Isn't that right? And so the mom just kind of sits back and relaxes, just enjoys the beauty of a December, you know. That's, that's been my experience anyway. <clears throat> I mean, I try to help Abigail with some encouraging words and comments like, uh, um, like 
You know, I really like when we have homemade fudge. I mean, that's one. <laughs> or I love it when the, when the wrapping paper is all themed. Um, just little ways to encourage, you know, because I know it's all just unfolding, just rolling on downhill. And, um, and, and aren't you surprised I made it all the way through the morning doing that four times? <laughs> well, that's kind of how it was for Mary, too. Everything just kind of unfolded, just as natural and as normal as can be. In the family of God, here comes Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's revered, right? She's revered by Catholics and Orthodox uh, to the point where she's almost sometimes, almost deified sometimes in some Christian traditions. Mary is not God. But what Mary is, is Mary is a great model for faith. Mary is, is one of the greatest models that we can imagine for a heart that's open to the Spirit of God, a mind that's, that's open to the Word of God, a, a person who's willing to, to let God's purposes play out in, in their life, that she's just willing to serve. Let it be unto me. That's a different translation, but that's kind of the famous Mary kind of saying. Let it be unto me. I am your faithful servant. Let it be unto me as you have said. Let it be. And isn't that where we all want to be with our faith? I mean, isn't that where you want to be with Jesus, where you trust and you say, Lord, just let it be unto me. It's a model for all of us. But I want to look a little bit closer at Mary because here's the deal. In this, um, in this kind of, as we talk about these spiritual pathways, these different roads that people walk, according to our own personality traits and experiences and the way we process information and interact with others, there's all kinds of different tracks that we walk to get close to Jesus. Some of us are walking kind of a, a worship track and some of us are walking a quiet contemplation track and others, I don't feel close to Jesus until my hands are doing something for his glory and others are, you know, their relationships need to be right. But Mary, if we look about her spiritual path, her track, see Mary gets, she often gets cast as, as the sort of, Innocent waif, believing without thinking, trusting without doubting, letting things unfold in her life without asking any questions. She's sort of this unthinking believer. Friends, that's not so. That's not what the scripture shows. So here's what I want you to think about. Because Mary is not an unthinking believer, Mary is not sort of a, 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 a hapless kind of, um, kind of credulous uh, person, you shouldn't feel guilty if that's not how your faith works either. Uh, an inaccurate representation of Mary's faith creates an inaccurate expectation in our faith. And we're not actually... It's not, there's nothing wrong when you need to think and doubt and question and work things through. That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. Mary's a thinker. So let's meet Mary. Here's Mary. She's growing up in Nazareth, and um, an angel appears to her. There's a, there's a church actually built in Nazareth over a spring where they say, by legend, they say it happened, and the water's still flowing up out of the rocks. It's very powerful to stand there and imagine all of this. But here she comes to fetch water when, verse 26, God sent an angel... Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. That's a good introduction, right? Introducing Mary. Introducing Mary. 
The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that, that God was kind of looking across the landscape of people and he was sort of wandering through across the face of the earth and then suddenly he saw Mary? And Mary was kind of so holy, different from all the other people that, that it kind of caught God's eye. Is that what's happened here? God's like, well, here's a person who's really got it together. In fact, your holiness is so awesome, it gleams and glimmers almost as bright as mine. Is that what God is saying? God says, oh, finally, somebody who can help me. <laughs> no, no. Mary is just like you, she's just like me. And God says, look, I'm pouring my grace out over you. I'm bringing my favor to you. I have purposes for you. I have a plan for you. I want to use you for my purposes, for my plan of salvation, for my glory. That's what the angel means. You're favored by God. The Lord is with you. We see that in verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. God has delivered favor to you. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him, what church? Jesus. You found favor from God. Grace has come to you from God to accomplish his plan of salvation. Now, how does Mary respond to this? Is it kind of um, unswerving belief, utter trust, uh, unthinking? Actually, as you might expect, Mary goes through a process like any normal person. She goes through a process. I'm going to show you at least three steps. What's the first step for Mary? The first step for Mary in getting this information is not blind faith, the first step for Mary is thinking. She thinks. Look at this, verse uh, 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and, and did what, church? And wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Okay, she wondered, it says. Now, I'm going to give you the Greek for this word wondered, and you're not going to want to write it down. I'm just telling you. It's not going to fit in your margin, okay? Here's the, the Greek word for wondered is dialogizomai. Say it with me, church. See, you guys are pretty hot. You guys already knew that word. Dialogizomai. Now, wondered is a little bit soft for that translation. This is the word where we get dialogue. This is the word where we're, it's in the family of logos, logic, reason, rationality, thinking, careful parsing out of things. This is a serious and thinking word. So Mary, she, she engages in serious thought, dialogizomai. She, she, she starts to, to measure these words. You could translate this verse, Mary carefully parsed out the words she heard and considered them for what they were. She didn't just accept it all immediately. She started thinking and measuring it out. And what does that mean? You see, what I would say is, if we're gonna assign a, a spiritual pathway to Mary... She's been cast as this kind of hapless waif. But if you're going to, truly, if you're going to assign a spiritual pathway to Mary, how does she get closer to, to the Lord? Not everybody has to be like this. But for Mary, her spiritual pathway is an intellectual pathway. The Bible doesn't waste words. The Bible doesn't mince words. 
And the Bible says, I want you to know when this woman thinks. Mary thinks. Where else have we seen it? We've seen it in uh, chapter 2, verse 19. Mary treasured up. This is a great Christmas verse. Let's read this together for Christmas. Ready? But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You remember that? That's the nativity scene. That's your nativity scene in your living room. That's Mary treasuring and pondering. Sitting there treasuring and pondering. Now, that again, she treasured and she pondered and, and she pondered them in her heart. That's this famous verse. But again, that could go a different direction. You could translate each of these words just a little bit differently. Mary treasured these things. Because that's a sweet verse, but it almost sounds like a child with a, with a wish box, doesn't it? Like, I've got my little treasures in my little, my little box. That's not really how these words play out. She treasured these things. Well, that's, that's a word for carefully keeping and cataloging information. Like I'm treasuring this as though I'm not going to lose a, a tiny bit of it. I'm not going to lose any of it. So she treasured it kind of in the way a, uh, a court reporter treasures the testimony of a witness, okay? Like I'm not going to lose a single bit of this information. She treasured these things. And then it says she, she pondered them. Well, again, that's a little soft for that word. What that word implies is taking hard information and kind of tossing it together to ensure that it fits together. So you're going you're gonna to bring things together, bring hard ideas together, and you're going to get them to bounce off each other until you come to a deeper understanding of how they all match up. It's kind of like when you're polishing rocks. You have a rock polisher, anybody, and they're all bouncing against each other until they're all smooth. And that's what, that's what Mary is doing with every event and every word that's coming her way. She's turning them over in her mind for deeper understanding. And then finally, she treasured and pondered them in her heart, it says. All I want you to know, church, is that's the exact same word that you would translate in Greek for mind. And so Mary, here's the point. If you do a careful word study of Mary and you pull out every verb to describe her actions and you just pull them out of the story, you set them over here on the table, you look at them, what's being revealed is one of the most intellectual figures in the New Testament. Mary's a thinker. And we cast her as this sort of unthinking believer. That's what's so criminal, okay? The Bible has gone out of its way to tell you it matters when this woman thinks. So, uh, it's a crime when Christianity is presented as an unthinking faith. It's, a, it's, it's criminal. And Mary gets enlisted for this to present Christianity as an unthinking faith. Someone might say to you, maybe you've had this conversation where someone's like, yeah, I wish I had, I, I wish I had your faith. I wish I could believe. I wish I was a Christian like you because I wish I could go through life with this sort of um, relentless optimism and hopefulness that everything's going to work out okay. I, I just wish I had, you know, your kind of rosy, happy, optimistic view of life. I wish I had faith. But unfortunately, I have a brain. So I wish I could do that, you know, like you do it. But unfortunately, there's intellect in my, my brain cells, and so I just can't do that with you. Has anybody had this conversation? So that's not Christianity. Faith that feels without thinking isn't true faith. 
Just, that faith, just as the fact that faith that thinks without feeling, that's not true faith either, my dear Presbyterian brothers and sisters. <laughs> true faith is thinking and feeling. We know what we feel. We feel what we know. We grow in our knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. And Mary is a thinker. The Bible goes out of the way to tell you. So that's step one. She thinks. An angel of the Lord appears. And what does Mary do? She thinks. Next, Mary considers and contends with the implications of what she hears. Gabriel shares his message. Verse 31. Have I got a deal for you? You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you're to call him Jesus. He will be great. Be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. You're going to conceive and bear a child. And what does Mary say? She doesn't say, oh, okay. She says, eh, I don't know how that's going to work, right? You know, when it comes down to brass tacks, this isn't how it works. How is this going to be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Like, Lord, hmm, how? You know? Like, how? This isn't what I learned in health class, right? <laughs> so, church, what will you do when God does something you don't fully understand? What do you do in your life? What do you do when God closes a door, when God shuts down a thing, when God pivots something suddenly, when he doesn't answer that prayer, doesn't change that thing you hoped he would change? What do you do? When God does something you don't understand, a lot of people walk away. Say, I don't get it, God. I don't understand. I don't understand what you're doing. So, bye. What does Mary do? Mary asks the question How? What do you mean? What does Mary do? Mary contends with God. She wrestles with God. It is not unfaithful to ask the questions. It's not unfaithful to seek understanding. It's not unfaithful to say, God, I don't get it, and I want to understand. Help me to understand. And to wrestle and contend with God and to show him your doubts, to show him where you don't see what's happening, why he's doing what he's doing, and you seek the Lord, for greater understanding. What you don't do is break the relationship and wander off and try to live the rest of your life pretending that God doesn't exist. You wrestle. God, how and why is this going to happen? James, uh, Jesus' little brother, one of Mary's later kids, wrote to the church further on, if any of you lacks wisdom, when you don't get it, what he doesn't say is, then cash it in and walk away and go do something else for the rest of your life. No, he's, when, you, when you lack wisdom, when you don't get it, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. He's not going to blame you for not understanding everything all at once, and it will be given to you. Faith stays in conversation with God. True faith contends with God. Ask the question. You don't have to be worried that, that you're experiencing doubt sometimes, that you have questions what you got to do is pursue those questions and stay in relationship with God and contend. That's what Mary does. First she thinks, then she contends, and then finally what does she do? She submits. She submits. The angel gives her an answer. She says, how's this going to happen? The angel gives her an answer of sorts. I mean, 
Like, what is the angel? The angel basically says, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> That's you could compress that down. Like, I don't know. But God's going to do it. The Holy One's going to come and do it. The Spirit of God is going to do it. I don't really know, in brass tacks, I don't really know how this plays out, but I know that God will do it. Why? Because no word from God will ever fail. God will do it. God will do it. Church, say that with me, would you? No word from God will ever fail. So I don't know, but I know God said it. I know God's going to do it. No word from God will ever fail. Everything we are is a product of God's word. God spoke us into existence. God's word will never fail. And here she comes. To that, Mary submits. Here's our, our key verse and our hope, our hope for our own faith, that we would be like this before the Lord. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. Who am I at the end of the day? Am I my own servant? Am I the servant of the world? Am I the servant of forces in the world? Am I the servant of my country? Is there, who am I? I'm the Lord's servant. Where else am I gonna go? I belong to you. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her to sit there alone and think, what did I just say? <laughs> right? Mary submits, and not unthinkingly. This is not an unthinking faith. But having received what she received from the angel, having received this call on her life, she starts, she understands all the implications, like all the ramifications. If God does this, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen if it goes like this or like this? She's thinking all this out and knowing, Mary knows, she knows that if the Lord's way is the way, she knows that things are gonna be hard. Let it be unto me, well, let, let what be? Let it be unto me that I'm suddenly found a pregnant, unwed mother. Let it be unto me that I'm suddenly cast in shame and disgrace in my community. Let it be unto me that all my plans, all my hopes, all my reputation and everything that I was expecting, that I, even my own, my own physical body, let it be unto me that this is taken out of my hands, out of my control and into the hands of the Lord for his purposes. Let it be unto me that I'm ostracized and and, and just shifted out of my synagogue and my family and that I lose relationship, maybe even, maybe even Joseph, my love. Let it be unto me. See, she doesn't know. She doesn't know about Joseph. Gabriel never says to her at the end, oh, good, because I'm going to Joseph's house next. <laughs> Does he? She doesn't know that the Lord in his mercy is sending an angel to save that marriage. Let it be unto me if I lose everything that I'm yours. I'm in your hands. And thinkingly, thinkingly, she trusts. She believes. She hands herself into God's care with faith. And the Savior is born into the world. I imagine a, a pregnant Mary. I've never been pregnant. Not, not even one time. 
but I understand it to be a rather constant and unrelenting presence. Is that true? <laughs> it's like, I don't get a break from this, really. So I imagine Mary, and I imagine her in her, in her kind of intellectual life, thinking and thinking these things through. I imagine her waking up many a morning and saying, maybe I just dreamed that. This can't really be happening, right? I mean, God can't really be moving in the world like this, right? Maybe I just imagined all of that only to, to kind of look down. Nope. Here it is. And every day as this, this child grows and this, this unrelenting, forward-progressing, ever-expanding process, Mary's faith is growing day by day. It's a process. Mary... Now, she thinks, she contends, and she submits, and she's in God's purposes. If you doubt Mary as an intellectual, I just want to show you one more thing. Just look at what she writes. Look down in down your Bible, chapter 1 of, of Luke. You get something called Mary's Song or the Magnificat. It's just beautiful, profound prayer. It's a musical piece of poetry. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Not because of what I did, but because of the mighty one. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She writes this beautiful piece. And yes, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that brings this word to bear. It's also cooperating with the mind of Mary as this comes onto the page. You see, it's just as it says in 2 Peter, describing the inspiration and authority of Scripture. Prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Well, this is Mary carried along, divinely inspired. This is her divinely inspired expression as she is carried along by the Holy Spirit to reveal these things of God, but it's also showing you a little bit about who Mary is, what her mind is like. And what does it reveal? It reveals a woman who understands the long history of God's care for his people Israel. And it also reveals a mind that understands a very profound principle, that what is great is revealed as great by becoming small. Let me tell you what I mean. And I I owe a lot of this to a, a sermon from Tim Keller years ago. But here's the thing. What is great can become small. What is powerful can become weak, but not the, way, the other way around. Example, you can get down on your hands and knees and pretend to be a dog to play with your dog. Can't you? Who's done it in the room? <laughs> yes, yes, honesty. And your dog loves it, right? You get down there and you bark a little and you growl and you chew on the chew toy with her, right? Dog loves it. You can do that. Your dog cannot stand up and go do your taxes. (laughs) Can't happen. Why? Because human is greater than dog. Sorry to disclose that. For some of you, are hoping for another result. You, you, can, you, can, you, know, you, can, you can act like a baby and coo and gurgle and, and make little baby noises and make the baby smile, right? You can accommodate to what is weak, but the baby cannot get up, take the keys, and run an errand. Cannot happen. What is great becomes small, and it reveals its greatness in its ability to accommodate to what is less. Here's the great theological principle. God proves 
his greatness by becoming small. Christmas is not a scandal. It's not scandalous that God became an infant. It proves his greatness that he can make himself that small, that low. A theologian in the second century named Origen wrote this, but of all the marvelous and splendid things about him, there is one that utterly transcends the limits of human wonder and is beyond the capacity of our weak mortal intelligence to think of or understand. There's one thing, namely, how this mighty power of the divine majesty, the very word of the Father, and the very wisdom of God, in which were created all things visible and invisible, how that can be believed to have existed within the compass of that man who appeared in Judea. Yes, and how the wisdom of God can have entered into a woman's womb and been born as a little child and uttered noises like those of crying children. The greater a being, the smaller it has the power to become. God proves his greatness by becoming small. And Mary gets it. She gets it. Look at verse 51 of her prayer. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the, what? The humble. He's so great that he gets low to lift the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. He's become a helper to the servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. God, he becomes a servant to the servant Israel. Do you see that? That's how low, she says, God gets. The angel came to, to Mary and, she, and said, you're gonna conceive a child. And that child, he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of the father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. The angel came to him and said, you, Mary, you're gonna have a child. You're gonna bring a child into the world. And this child is gonna be awesome. This child is going to be powerful. This child is going to be great. There's no kid like this kid. He's going to rule forever. His kingdom is going to have no end. There's been no king like this king. You're going to have a child named Jesus and he's going to be great. And Mary says, yeah, I get it. I see how great he is because look how small he became. I see how powerful he is because look how weak he became. I see how high, because look how low God has become to lift up those who are low, to strengthen those who are weak, to save those who are small. The greatness of our Savior is proven in his journey into lowliness to save and redeem the low. And Mary gets that. I want you to get that. Walk this path with, with Mary. It's not a path of checking your brains at the back door. It's not an a, a unthinking faith. It's not, an, it's not even an, an unquestioning faith. It's a path that wrestles with God. It wrestles in deep thinking with all that you've heard and seen and, and what God has shown of himself. You wrestle with that and you hold on to God as he holds on to you. And you walk toward this Jesus who has proven 
his greatness in becoming so small, so small, that you and I, who are so small, could be captured in his love and be made great and be named children in the family of God. Lord Jesus, your glory is its like no other. Your holiness, your majesty. What God is there who would stoop down so low to help the helpless? What God is there who would become a servant to servants? What God is there who would lay aside all power and in every, every bit of vulnerability be born, be born in the womb of Mary, be born into the world. What greatness there is in that, Jesus. It stands alone as a witness to who you are, God, to who you are as our Savior. It stands alone and it testifies that each one of us, no matter how low we feel, no matter how small we feel, that you've come up underneath us to carry us home. We thank you, Jesus, and we give you all glory, all thanks, all praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S. COS.org.